Tom's done a very poor job running California. They have the highest taxes in the United States. Uh, the place is totally out of control. Oh, yeah. My God. Cannibals in the streets, etc. It's the Armstrong and Getty Show. <laughs> oh, boy, even when he agrees with me, he's silly. Uh, thank you very much for being here. Jack is not here. Uh, he is, uh, well, I'll let him explain where he is. He's actually on the phone right now. Ladies and gentlemen, the co-host of the Armstrong and Getty Show, low these many years, Jack Armstrong. Hello, Jack. I'm in the low-tax state of Arizona, Phoenix specific, specifically. Smell the freedom. Uh, at the uh, at the airport, you're ready to go through security. Just watched a woman with a cane get to go around security. She uh, She's doing the blind act. I don't believe her for some reason. Kick the she cane out. See what happens. It's the only she way to doesn't know. Strike me as, she doesn't strike me as actually being blind. Hey, hey listen, but, I don't know how long before your flight, but you probably have time to, to zoom down to Mexico real quick and watch the professional mountain climbing. Of the uh, the have, kids down there, they have professional mountain climbing in Mexico. Uh, yeah, the uh, the president was uh, speaking yesterday while you were entertaining your dad, and he was talking about. Uh, oh, do you have the clip? Go ahead, Sean. The round piece that you see up He's here, talking about the, you the see wall design back there. The larger it is, the better it is because it's very hard to get over the top. It's really deterrent from getting over the top. But getting over the top is easy. These are like professional mountain climbers. They're incredible climbers. They can't climb some of these walls. So he's talking some about the Mexican, Mexican people are like <laughs> professional mountain climbers. Because they teach that in first and second oh. grades. <laughs> oh, God, that's hilarious. Yeah, he's talking about the drug runners, of course. We're just having a little fun, folks. Lighten up. Uh, so, <laughs> How's your pop doing? Oh, he's great. I hope to be that healthy when I'm 80. So during the uh, during the summertime, they come down to this RV park because they live up in the mountain where it snows a lot, and they got tired of being in, snowed in all winter long. Yeah. So they do this uh, old person spring break at this RV park that they're at all uh, all winter long, and uh, he's he said he's the fittest person in the park. Wow. And I don't doubt it. He still rides a horse every day, and so so obviously the the park is horse friendly. Uh, no, but it's at the very edge of civilization, oh. so he can ride his bike to where he keeps his horse boarded and then ride off into the mountains from there. Oh, that's fantastic. And I'd like to be that healthy everything. now, never mind when I'm eight. Yeah. yeah, no kidding. We went to the uh, basketball game last night, which was uh, awesome, and I had a really good time. And There were more uh, Cleveland Cavaliers fans than Phoenix Suns fans, but I have a feeling that's true a lot of places LeBron goes, so... Yeah, LeBron James. Uh, positive, Sean, very briefly. Are the Suns terrible? Yes. Okay. Back to Oh, Jack. yeah, they're terrible. But, uh, 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 <laughs> hey, LeBron did you get your dad a giant foam finger? <laughs> <laughs> Michael. We were sitting next to, um, well, we, were, we were right behind, sitting right behind LeBron uh, on the floor. And um, so we got to watch him up close and, and watch the huddles and the diagrams and listen to the players talk to each other. And that was fun. But there was a couple of young dudes sitting next to me, and they're like, I don't know, they were like high school kids, um, and so obviously their rich father or something provides them front row tickets to go to the games or something. But anyway, they were such smart asses heckling everybody. It was so damned entertaining. Really? Wow, so their oh, material yeah. was good, because that could be just obnoxious. Yeah, that's, that's what I was worried about, but they were quite funny. Every time a Suns guy would miss, and they missed a lot. Oh, my God. How are you in the NBA? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. Going with understatement. Hilarious. Yeah. 
It was a lot of that. <laughs> oh God, I always get the kick out of that. Wow, that's fantastic. Any other any heckling of LeBron, or were they there to see him? Oh, but it's interesting to watch the a big star like LeBron James. You've got to just turn on your your blinders apparently when you're giant star from from the second he walks out of the tunnel everybody's screaming his name trying to get his attention yeah and and all and all the other players who aren't that big a deal you know somebody yells their name and they turn and say yeah what (laughs) i mean (laughs) but he has to just he has to just ignore it because everybody's screaming at him the entire time wow i mean it's quiet until he walks out then it was a roar the entire game and then at the end of the game he's doing interviews everybody's still down around the court as close as they can get and as soon as he walks out okay now the show's over i mean he's the whole thing wow and uh, it would be weird to be like it well he's been that way since he's 16 years old so yeah yeah it'd be a very strange life to have everybody staring at you screaming at you your entire life and i've run into a couple people lately have told me that you know i met this and this celebrity or that uh, athlete or something they're a real jerk and um and and i've listened to the story and thought um they're just being reasonable they're just trying to keep from being driven completely mad it would be it would be almost impossible to not come off as a jerk if you were that big a star. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't even know how you would even attempt to do it. And then the first time you get blasted on social media or something for being a jerk, it would make you into a jerk. You'd think, F these people. Right. I'm yeah. going to stop talking to everybody. You want to come to the basketball games or watch the movie or whatever? Fine. I appreciate that. Thank you very much. But And, and listen, I understand people are saying, well, uh, the public is what made them rich. It's absolutely true absolutely true and the 25th time today somebody comes up to you and is a little rude or starts touching you before it's cool or whatever not the first time not the second time but the 25th time today you tell me how gracious you're gonna be it's it's you know yeah. p- people are just human yeah which was yeah. god it made me crazy when we were on tv I just I couldn't I couldn't take the uh, anytime you come around the corner of an aisle in a supermarket, all of a sudden there's somebody Joe. I'm like, ah! <laughs> what do you want? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and everybody was really I, I, everybody was almost uniformly nice. It's just weird. Anyway, yeah, yeah, and, and to have everybody screaming at you. I guess because they want the pleasure of of being looked at by a celebrity, which just you just have to tune it out, right? Which and and the other thing, you know, addressing our beloved uh, audience, the the world of fags, um, y'all are cool. You all, almost to a human being, are really cool and nice when we run into each other. Not every NBA fan is like that. Not every movie fan is like that. It can get crazy. No. Uh, so you sent us pictures right next to LeBron. He looks to really uh, make physical fitness a priority in his life. Oh, my God. What a specimen of the male of form. Holy crap. You want to see him naked, don't you? Just, well, you know, it's pretty easy to, it's pretty easy to picture. I mean, he's just a solid muscle. I'm he's thinking. an Adonis, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, as we've said forever, if he and Serena Williams don't have children together, it's just a mistake to breed some sort of a superhuman that could fight wars for us. Uh, didn't one of the Williams sisters just give birth? Uh, yeah, yeah, she's with the the guy who started Reddit, some some tech guy. Okay, I like that. Ivanka Trump, another possible candidate for our uh, eugenics program here. <laughs> well, if you just want good looking, yeah. Um, I think she's so pretty bright, to, isn't she? Huh? I got back to the hotel room last night late because my parents uh, 
RV doesn't have an extra bedroom. So I stayed at a hotel like a block away. And um, I was up late. I ordered a pizza. I was hungry. So I'm watching the cable news and taking in the freaking Philadelphia race all night long with the uh, the cable news host blathering on. Have you guys been covering that? Oh, the special election in Pennsylvania? Pennsylvania, yeah. The Hell they, no. They decide who won. Lamb the sham. Well, no, it's it, they're calling it neck and neck. It's a few hundred votes. They haven't counted the absentee ballots, but uh, Lamb the sham is ahead by his slender and attractive neck. What a, whatever. He wins, he doesn't win. The analysis of it was driving me crazy. Oh, I mean, yeah. just absolutely driving me crazy. He's ahead by a button nose. Um, so, uh, so if he wins by 50 or loses by 50, that means something significant to the country. I find that. Oh, it's article. a referendum on Trump. Haven't you been listening? Uh, in a district that won't exist in a few months, and they've got to do it again in November. So, yeah. Here's, here's the most interesting thing to me as I took in a fair amount of coverage last night waiting for my Domino's pizza to arrive, which I ate half of, half of a large pizza right before I went to bed. Before we get to your analysis, uh, the people have a right to know, what did you eat at the stadium? Was this technically a bang-bang? Uh, yeah, definitely. So we had had floor seats, and with the floor seats, you get this, like, gourmet meal with the, uh, the other people that spent that much money for those seats. And, I mean, it was a really top-notch restaurant meal. All you could eat prime rib and all this sort of stuff. And yeah, nice. I ate a lot of that nice. before the game, and then I ate a large Domino's pizza. Because it was a few hours later, right? Exactly. <laughs> I was starving. Hey, I, 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 and, I had been, and I had been sitting the whole time, so you can see how you'd work up an act. <laughs> all right, so listen, I know neither one of us talks about money because it's rude where we come from, but three figures per seat or four? To sit on the floor for LeBron James? I don't know. Okay, that's four. Or is it five? One presenter? <laughs> oh, God, no. It's your, it's, your, it's your dad's 80th birthday. Any any yeah. price is justified. Any price. Anyway. Well, right. And my, and my dad, because I was talking about, was it yesterday, I was talking about, you know, pleasure-seeking is, is no way to be happy. My parents are the least pleasure-seeking people I've ever known in my life. And and so this sort of thing was a come as out of character for my dad as anything could be, and that's why I did it. Wow, um, that's great. That's great. Something crazy once in your life. So but, anyway, um, back to the election. Quickly, quickly on the election, because then I got to go get in security. I got to go get my oil checked. Um, <laughs> uh, so the the Democrat who looks like it's going to win, he ran against Nancy Pelosi. So that's what's interesting in being left out of some of the conversation on this. He didn't allow he didn't allow any of the big name. He, he's not the progressive, the new Bernie Sanders, Nancy Pelosi, um, uh, Pocahontas wing. He's not that at all. Right. He's pro gun. He's pro the tax legislation, and 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 that's his whole thing. So unless other people are going to run the same way he's running as kind of a conservative Democrat or a liberal Republican, which is what he is, unless they're going to run like him, it doesn't mean anything for the rest of the country. So the idea that it's some sort of a check on Trump's popularity is stupid. The idea that it's some indicator of whether there can be a blue sweep in November is utterly ridiculous. You don't have to acknowledge the tide to get swept away by it. Huh? Oh, how about that? Wow, is that a thing? You also have to keep in mind that that's what has happened the last three uh, two-term presidents we've had. That's the normal thing to happen. That's not an outlier. It's not news. It's not exciting. That's what happens in our lifetime. After somebody gets elected, it goes the other direction. And so, I mean, that's what's supposed to happen. 
the extraordinary thing would be if the Republicans hold on. So it, it's not, you know, it wouldn't be a big deal if the Democrats take the House anyway. That's and, what's supposed to happen historically. Right. Sure. Unless they impeach Trump and then it's on. Then it's oh, yeah. full on wild ass craziness. The guy ran as a not anything like the big Democrats that get all the attention on television all the time. Right. He's nothing like those people. Yeah. Well, the cable news isn't going to tell you that because that ruins their stupid, stupid uh, narrative. Rather, so. Plus, if I was just looking at two guys and didn't know anything about them, I'd vote for Lamb. That other guy. Come on. A bit of a hack. That guy with a mustache. What is that? Bit of a hack. So, listen, remember, it's within your rights as an American to strip down completely bare uh, to speed the screening process. If you like, I so. wish I had the courage. It's probably mean. I wish I had the courage to sit there in the front row and yell at people. Oh, my God. How are you in the NBA? <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, I, was, I know we're running late and you got to go. But I was talking last hour about how, you know, getting older, the testosterone decline. I'm really kind of enjoying not being quick to anger and not, you know, stressed and all. everything's fine. Um, but you do lose the balls to sit there in an NBA game and heck and you just it seems too stupid to heckle the players. Yeah, really, certainly. Plus, as you get older, they look like children. They look like high school. Right. There's a young man trying his best to make his way through the world. Why, why would somebody <laughs> yell at that poor young man? <laughs> exactly. All right, happy travels. We'll, uh, we'll talk right. to you later. All right. All right, see you. There he is, the co-host, Jack. In Phoenix, treated his dad to a front row seat to watch LeBron for his 80th. That's fabulous. Actually going down to see my parents uh, in a couple of days. Looking forward to it. Call your mom today. She misses you. Then you're dead. Uh, more to come. Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong, you get a show. Welcome to it. Oh, nice. In honor of uh, Jack's death. Beautiful. What did you say you're going to do for your, your grandpa, Michael? No, it's what we did. When he turned oh. 80, we went to Applebee's. <laughs> <laughs> he got the appetizer hey. tower. He really liked that. Oh, yeah. We heckled the salad bar workers. <laughs> nice. Nice. You call that a sneeze guard? <laughs> How are you even in the NBA? Oh, that's so cruel in that it's so understated. That's beautiful. So many things I want to talk about. Have I ever told you about going to Wrigley Field as a kid, a teenager? Now, this was back before it was like a tourist thing. Now you can't get a Cubs ticket. Or you got to pay and it's pretty full and the bleachers are full and the, the stands up on top of the buildings next to Wrigley Field are full. This is back when the Cubs sucked and nobody cared. Glad- Gladys. This is back, I guess this, uh, I'm thinking specifically about the 80s, yeah. <clears throat> and me and my buddies, we used to drive to Wrigley Field, it was like 20 minutes, half an hour from my house, but, um, depending on traffic, of course, but we would drive to Wrigley Field, we would park um, in the neighborhoods, because there was no parking lots, and it made me the best parallel parker on earth. I was driving my mom's Plymouth Horizon, that was when we finally had a second car. Um, 
the Plymouth Horizon, if it was, uh, say, 108 inches long, I needed 110 inches. And I could practically make the car go sideways and get in there. I was the best parallel parker on earth, thanks to going to Cubs games. But so it would be like April, you know, the 12th. It'd be 43 degrees. There'd be snow flurries. And there's 3,500 people in Wrigley Field. I mean, it was empty. And, of course, we would start in the cheap seats way up high and slowly work our way down to... I I realize I've told this story before. It occurs to me now. But um, we would work our way down, inning by inning by inning, till by the eighth, ninth inning, we had our elbows on the wall next to the field. And if you're not going to baseball games like that, then congratulations. Now you know the playbook. Right. That's the way to do it. Well, right. And and it was hilarious because when I started dating my wife in college, we went to a Cubs game. And... And, and and we had some cheap seats. So it's like the second inning between the second and third. I said, all right, let's go. She's like, what? What What, what do you mean? I said, we're going to move down. We can't do that. These are our seats. Oh, no, no, it's fine. We'll get it. Nobody will care. No, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I'm not comfortable with this. I'm like, what? What? You don't understand. These are front row seats. Eventually holding up the tickets. Come with me, baby. And I think finally, by the, like the middle of the sixth, I'd, I'd worn her down and, um, and introduced her to the pleasures of migratory sports attending. Oh, that's fantastic. I know, I know. It's, how beautiful an example. And, you know, honestly, not to get off on a tangent, but this is why a relationship has worked so well. We got a gas pedal and a brake. And she's not always the brake, because that would be too much to put on a woman. And that's not cool. I don't want a mommy. I want a, a wife and a lover and a friend and the rest of it, but... Yeah, I tend to get a little gas pedally at times, and eh, she may, uh, you know, cover the break. But anyway, so you'd be at a Major League Baseball park with 3,500 people in it, and I'd move down to, you know, first few rolls, me and my buddies, and my voice was incredibly loud at that point. It's kind of worn out from talk radio and rock and roll at this point, but I could be heard throughout the stadium heckling the ball players, and I wish I had tapes. Because this may shock you, I was a bit of a wise ass. What? Yeah. And and had a, a, a voice that boomed like a foghorn. And <laughs> I an, said, I said. <laughs> and, and a complete lack of shame. So a powerful combination. Right. And, and, and yeah, yeah. Now, at Comiskey Park, where the uh, White Sox played, if you looked over 12 years old, you could get beer. Wrigley Field, for whatever <laughs> reason, because it was on the north side, was a little bit stricter so i don't think i was inebriated but anyway so i would i'd be in the third row you know a guy had boot a ground ball and i'd just hey hit another one his way give him a chance he feels bad about that you feel bad about that don't you jones look at him he feels bad about that that sort of thing and they could hear me the player could the others oh it was great it was great i'm a little ashamed of it now but just a little Clever heckling remains one of my favorite things. It's real easy to go bad with it, but yeah. Marsh Phillips, what are our headlines? Britain and Russia facing off over the nerve gas attack and another major black eye for United Airlines. Stories coming up. All right, back into the news of the day in a serious fashion. Coming up next on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Welcome. It's the Armstrong and Getty Show. Stay tuned, won't you, at 8 o'clock. An extended visit with Tim Sandifer, Tim the lawyer, constitutional uh, scholar, and 
Author of Frederick Douglass, Self-Made Man, which I read over the weekend. It's fantastic. Uh, but a lot to come. Marshall, you mentioned uh, you might make a, a little investment in the NCAA tournament? Yes, yes. I had an extended meeting with my financial advisor. Uh, there's a lot of stats and facts being studied. And uh, like any financial advisor, he's going through backgrounds and everything else. And we'll come up with a plan later today. I see. I, I kind of lost interest. And Positive Sean might weigh in on this. Uh, now that all the, the good players just play one year and disappear. Right. I don't know. To me, it's like betting on the pig races at the state fair or something like that. I, I just don't know. There's it, not enough data. It certainly feels different. and But the one-and-done stuff allows your kind of mid-major schools, the teams that can keep players together for right. four years to kind yeah. of overperform what their talent level would suggest. So yeah, those are kind of kind cool of to, to catch on to. Yeah, your, your underdog story. But the quality of play is way worse than oh, it yeah, used yeah. to be. Yeah. yeah, which is a shame. I used to love college basketball. But eh, what are you going to do? We'll keep spinning. Marshall Phillips, you have the news for us. Well, I got to tell you, it is on tough action against Moscow by British Prime Minister Theresa May based on allegations. There is no alternative conclusion other than that the Russian state was culpable for the attempted murder of Mr. Skripal and his daughter. Now her action? The United Kingdom will now expel 23 Russian diplomats who have been identified as undeclared intelligence officers. They have just one week to leave. The move. Give him a day. Give him an hour. You have, have until I finish this sentence to get the F out. Have the Bobbies show up with cattle prods and say the airport now. Of course, then they'd do that to your guys in Britain. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, they're, they're, uh, the, the Russians have gone to the trouble of issuing a truly hilarious denial. Uh, which is for the benefit of no one, but I appreciate their spirit. Yeah, they call it all nonsense. Couldn't be happening, but the move is coming after Moscow. Basically ignored the deadline the Brits had laid down to answer questions about how its nerve agent was used in the attempted assassination of that former spy on U.K. soil. You've got 14 Russian dissidents, journalists, uh, and or uh, spies who've been snuffed on British soil in the last 10 years. Fourteen. So, you're going to let them commit murder with impunity on your soil, including with nerve gas attacks, or not? She's saying not. Prime Minister also said this is the largest expulsion in three decades and will degrade Russian intelligence capabilities. And she went on to say that Britain's royal family would be asked by her government not to attend this summer's Soccer World Cup in Russia. I didn't know that two of the, the superpower... Uh, British soccer teams. Uh, I think it's Manchester United mm-hmm. and, and Arsenal, or Chelsea and Arsenal. I can't remember. Right. Are owned by Russian oligarchs. Russians own a huge percentage, f- uh, you know, for foreigners, of the high-dollar uh, London real estate. Right. They're, the oligarchs invest in, in Britain like crazy. Mm-hmm. They've really got their fingers in the British economy. And I was, I was curious to see whether they were um, going to seize any assets belonging to Putin's boys or anything like that. Uh, there have been hints of it, but I don't think they're doing that, are they? I haven't seen anything about seizing assets yet, no. Yeah, God, they ought to. If they're serious, they got to do that. You can't be doing nerve attacks in London. Right. It's crazy. Right, and you got a Bobby who, uh, was, who tried to help out, and he is still in hospital. I guess he's yeah. probably going to recover. But the other two, the uh, spy and his daughter... They are still in critical condition. You know, just for fun, I'm going to click on this story in the New York Times. Why Moscow will never apologize for attack on ex-spy. Because it's a spy thing. I don't need to read the article. Because he's a spy. He spied on you, and now you want to kill him. 
That's what you do. Right. That's what you do. I get how that works. Yeah, I don't uh, why they won't apologize. <sighs> All right, and the race that is still among some uh, some groups still too close to call. That's the one going on in Pennsylvania. Democratic candidate Connor Lamb, though, is being declared by some the apparent winner of that closely watched congressional He's election. An apparent hottie. <laughs> anyway, he was telling his supporters... It took a little longer than we thought, but we did it. Yeah! Well, well no- it's, uh, you know, jury's still out there, Connor, but right. uh, it's much ado signifying nothing, Marshall. I can't believe you're covering this ridiculous story. Well, I'm just bringing it up because a lot of people have been following it. 99% of the votes counted. Lamb holds a roughly 640-vote lead over the Republican candidate. So, as Jack pointed out a few minutes ago, whether he wins by 20 or loses by 20, this will be a major watershed moment and a referendum on Trump in a district that's about to not exist. So, let's move on with our lives. Another black eye for United Airlines. A dog traveling with its owner on the recent United Airlines flight died during the trip from Houston to New York when a flight attendant insisted the dog had to be put in the overhead compartment. Now, the puppy's owner had it in a dog carrier under the seat in front of her, but the flight attendant said, Nah, it's blocking the aisle. It's got to go in the overhead bin. The owner at first said, No, 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 but finally did it. As the flight attendant kept insisting on Otherwise, making the move. Otherwise, they'd boot you off the flight. One of the other passengers on board said they could hear the dog bark for about 30 minutes, and then it was quiet. Yeah, because it suffocated. Yep. When they landed, the owner opened up the overhead compartment. They found the dog had died. United Airlines said the incident should never have happened, and they assume full responsibility. <sighs> now, here's a question. Because I'm a fair man. My hallmark is fairness yes, and accuracy. Um, does this happen to United more, or do we just pay attention more because now they're kind of the bad guy? Well, after the doctor got hauled off the plane and his face bloodied got and bloodied and, and everything, it, yeah, and, you know, it seems as though United comes up an awful lot. Yeah, it really does. They, I, they yeah. seem to be particularly bad at it. Um, I, for one, I follow a lot of stand-up comedians on Twitter, and yep. they fly a lot. Sure. And almost universally, they all say United is by far the worst in terms of any number of metrics that they all pay attention to. Interesting, uh, including and, doctor beatings and dog snuffings. Yes, two of yeah. those. Yeah, beautiful. There you go. That's a wrap. That's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips, the Armstrong and Getty Show, the conscience of the nation. So coming up, uh, Scott Adams, he's the Dilbert cartoonist guy. He's become more of a thinker, commentator, a commentator, writer explaining how Trump actually was brilliant in getting the North Korea talks going, how he framed it correctly. Yeah, specifically, he he has a very keen interest in the art of persuasion. Yes, yeah. Uh, uh, There are times I think Scott finds logic where there is none, in the same way you can find a dinosaur in the clouds. Uh, We'll share his his insight with you, see if you buy it or not. Then uh, Tim the Lawyer at 8 o'clock. Stay with us. It's the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the the nation. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty Show, we've made the decision that since we have a rare opportunity, a late night five-way joke-off, 
we are going to have constitutional scholar Tim Sandifer as a guest judge for the late night joke off. I'm sure he'll be thrilled with that duty. We'll get to that. We may get to the fact that the Pirates of Carib- the Caribbean, or do you say Caribbean? The Pirates of the Caribbean ride at Disneyland is getting rid of the quote-unquote bride auction, which is actually a, a sexual slavery auction, if you think about it. I'm the last guy to go all politically correct on you, but the more I think about it, the more uncomfortable it would be. I mean, pirates were not nice fellas. It's That's, not like Johnny Depp. Yeah, you're not supposed to be rooting for the people doing the bride auction. You're like, oh, what a horrible thing to do to people. That's why pirates are bad. Yet slavery is the thing, and then brutal, and pirates, you know, they were brutal killers. So anyway, um, it's a fun ride, though, don't you know? You plunge down, a spoiler alert, and then you go in the dark, and you float around, and there's skulls and gold and monkeys. Chance, and chance you get scurvy. It's really exciting. Dogs, that's right. It's Irvy Ricketts. <laughs> so Scott Adams, um, he, he does the Dilbert cartoon. How many of us did not love Dilbert for years and years? The insight, the, the wisdom, the humor about our day-to-day workplace environment, how stupid most bosses are. Happy exception here at the Armstrong and Getty Show. Absolutely everybody we look to as a boss or supervisor is wise, benevolent, and uh, and brilliant. So we have that going for us. Adams has been writing for some time. He's he's doing a lot of commentating and blogging, that sort of thing about the world and Donald Trump and the rest of it, and he's getting a lot of attention for that if you're not familiar with it. But uh, as early as April of last year, he uh, he did a blog post headlined, The North Korea Reframe. And he talked about, well, I'll quote, President Trump has said clearly and repeatedly that if China doesn't fix the problem in its own backyard, the USA will step in and do what China couldn't get done. See the power in that framing? China doesn't want a weak brand. His reframing on North Korea is pitch perfect. We've never seen anything like this. Adams followed up uh, with a post headlined, How to Structure a Deal with North Korea. He suggests giving North Korea a story to save face. In persuasion language, you need to give North Korea a, quote, fake because. They probably already want peace and they don't want a public, but they don't have a public excuse for it and for why they would cave the pressure and settle for it. Give them something that has little value but can be exaggerated to seem like it has great value, and it becomes the fake because. That's in quotes. And then he uh, he wrote, uh, My critics have been extra vocal lately in saying I should stop writing about North Korea because I have no expertise in that area. So I've decided to talk about North Korea more, which I like. In Kim Jong-un, I suspect we have a negotiating partner who understands all dimensions. We are also closer than we've ever been to a permanent solution. And not a mushroom cloud, either. Uh, what's missing uh, in the hysterics over wording? He's talking about the president with the fire and fury and, frankly, power, blah, blah, blah. Um, is that President Trump and Kim Jong-un are negotiating personally, albeit in public. And I think it's safe to say both players know they're being over the top with their trash talk. The odds of a nuclear miscalculation based on anything said so far is effectively zero. Now, I have had that opinion myself. For all, you know, I got problems with Trump and everybody knows it, but that stuff has never bothered me at all. He's just answering the ridiculous over-the-top talk with some of his own. And you got the New York Times absolutely wetting their pants, talking about... um, Mr. Trump seemed to be building a case for war on emotional grounds. Such words were in line with his history of bellicosity toward North Korea. 
Uh, blah, blah, blah. Trump's preoccupation with military action, refusal to seriously pursue a diplomatic overture to North Korea are foolhardy as they cry out and beg for the status quo, which has never done a damn bit of good. And, you know, I think sometimes Scott, as I suggested earlier, finds dinosaurs in the clouds when Donald Trump is frankly not really thinking about it nearly as, as hard as he's given credit for. But I think he's right with North Korea. The standard diplomatic means have failed over and over again. North Korea is absolutely desperate for cash. I, I've come to believe that is true. And keep in mind, you know, every dictatorship and, and you know what we need to do? We need to post um, the book is Rules for Dictators um, or a Handbook for Dictators. The, uh, the, the video that's so popular from that book is Rules for Rulers. See if you can find that, Hanson, and post that at armstrongandgetty.com. Uh, but the long and short of it is, even a dictator, there's a certain amount of fear, and, and we've talked a lot about how Kim Jong-un will machine gun you and your whole family if you do X, Y, or Z. And that's a big factor, but, but bribery is an enormous part of any dictatorship, which isn't given enough attention. Putin, you know, Putin snuffs people uh, in London now and again. Well, he also rewards the powerful with billions and billions and billions of dollars in contracts and graft and the rest of it. So if if a fathead has run out of bribing money, he's in serious trouble. And if Trump has to any extent gotten China to go a few notches down the scale of serious sanctions, serious uh, impeding of North Korea's economic life, and they're not doing nearly what they could do because, you know, for reasons we've discussed, they don't want to bring North Korea to their knees because that would be an enormous crisis for China and destabilize the region, but it could be that they've, you know, they've gone a couple of notches down the road of really making Fathead squeal. And if all that's true, and and Fathead is as desperate for cash as they say, and we can get a serious anytime, anywhere in, inspection regime going, and an assurance that we're not going to try to knock them off, blah, 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 this could be an enormous diplomatic breakthrough. You know what's going to be interesting, Joe, is that Kim Jong-un is only 35 years old, and Donald Trump is in his 70s. Yeah. And usually these dictators, you know, they're, they're older, and I just think it could be almost like... they usually like a, live to be 100 for some reason, but... I could see this almost being a father-son conversation, possibly. Listen, fathead, you remind me of Jared. I've dealt with your kind. You remind me of Eric. <laughs> well, yeah, that's that's true, Michael. No, it's it could be an enormous diplomatic breakthrough. The most likely outcome is it looks like a big diplomatic breakthrough, and they immediately begin cheating again and advance their nuclear program. I mean, anybody who doesn't think that's the most likely outcome is a fool and or has no idea of the past. But, but there is a chance that Fathead comes around. And it's funny, Jack uh, refers to him as the little weirdo or the crazy guy or whatever, and he's just, you know, having fun, but... I think there's a really good chance that Un is um, is a third-generation expert in dictating. I think he's studied at the feet of his grandpappy and his pappy, and, uh, and he's pretty good at the dictating game. And he'd better be, because if the squeeze on him is as hard as diplomats are saying it is, and sometimes I think it's not. It's posturing because they then they do deals on the side. But anyway, if it's anywhere near as serious as they say it is, and if he's near as broke as they say he is, it's going to be a hell of an interesting couple of months. But we shall see. Now, Fathead's dad, I think he was a kook. 
I mean, I get trying to build a near-religious cult of personality around myself as a dictator. I like to take a shot at dictating. It looks uh, challenging. Challenging and rewarding work. But he was the guy who claimed to have made 18 consecutive holes in one when he played golf. Which is, boy, the odds against that, it's like 100 to 1. He must be really good. Oh, yeah, yeah, he's a stick. I mean, no, he was a stick. Kim Jong-il. He could shape it both ways. He's long, obviously. I mean, if you're acing par fives, you are a big hitter. You can move it. You're a bomber. He also wrote, what 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 else did he claim? He made all sorts of extraordinary claims. He'd written the greatest symphony ever written, the greatest opera ever written. Um, I can't remember. What was his other one? He had another sports claim. He bowled like 10 consecutive 300 games, which, again, is very difficult. I would think by that, like, how many frames would that be? That would, well, I'd be 100 frames. I think by, like, the 94th frame, I'd be a little shaky. The pressure would start to build, and my arm would be tired, frankly. But I'm not Kim Jong-il. I'm also not Tim Sandifer. Oh, he was able to walk at three weeks old and was talking at eight weeks. There it is. There he is. Walking at age three weeks. That's extraordinary. A great man. He will be missed. He is missed. <laughs> he is still missed. He put six full operas in two years, all of which are better than any in American history. Right. Right. Hell of a tunesmith as well. Tim the Lawyer coming up on the Armstrong and Getty Show.